Welcome to the Home Stretch, where today we're joined by Alex Pelosi Buchanan, who is sales manager for Archer and Co. over in Wales, and he's a proud Guild member. So, thank you, Alex, for joining us today. Absolute pleasure to be here. Right, we'll get straight into it, Alex. So, um, for me, you are one of the first advocates of video. Um, you really put yourself out there in uh, in the video world. But before we go to that, and I do want to touch on that, and I want to talk to you about the benefits of all of that sort of thing and how that's evolved your business, I'd really like to know how you got into agency. Well, I think like a lot of people, I just uh, fell into it, not to be cliche, but very much my my first experience was probably back in 2010 or 11. And uh, it was actually my mum found an advert for a local corporate in the next town up from us who was looking for sales negotiators, as they often are. So, uh, so yeah, went for it, got the job. Um, was there for about six to nine months. And one reason it just didn't work out, but, you know, it gave me a good insight into the industry. And, of course, they do a lot of training as well. So um, I actually went back to doing some part-time work then, uh, in a video game store that was working and uh but really again that itch was there really wanted to get back into it and at the time uh there was a, a small independent if you will uh just opened another branch where i lived in abergavenny and i'd just be happened to walk and past and i thought do you know what sod it i'm just going to go in and i walked in and the old mortgage advisor from the corporate was sat on the front desk and it was very much, oh, Roy, how's it going? And he was like, um, and I said, well, look, any, any jobs going here? He said, funny enough, they're just starting to look for a negotiator. Uh, so started a week later and I was there for eight years um, and kind of worked my way up to uh, assistant branch manager and valuing um, and, uh, you know, love, loved it. But I think I got very comfortable with working there because I was living literally in a flat two doors up for quite a bit that time. Uh, but then bought a house with a wife, uh, then fiance, and just got to the stage where I felt like I needed to do more. And I was kind of stuck at that assistant manager level um, and felt I couldn't go any further because my manager was very much, you know, set. And she'd been there a long, long time. And being a small independent, there weren't necessarily um, opportunities, if you will, arising in other areas. And then, yeah, along came the opportunity uh, at Arch and Co, uh, where I joined as a valuer then back in 2019. So, and then of course, been here ever since. The rest is history, as they say. Exactly. Um, what do you love about the job? I think just the the variety and just meeting people. It's just yeah. great. Um, you know, it's so interesting. Um, and like I said, we get to get a real window into people's lives at you know the best and the darkest times and. You know, it's trying to, I think, like I said, it's it's the variety of not knowing what you're going to be going into. And um, it's just the, the excitement. I just like, so I get that buzz. I just love it. Um, you know, I see it more of a hobby. Um, you know, my wife thinks I'm nuts, but, you know, I'm listening to podcasts when I'm driving. I'm listening, you know, again, listening to podcasts about real estate, watching videos on YouTube. Obviously, it's just, for me, it's just something that I just love. Um, and, you know, people often ask me saying, you know, what you, if you weren't doing this job, what do you think I'd do? I said, I've honestly got no idea. I couldn't even think of anything else I would rather than doing than be working uh, kind of in the industry. And, um, you know, I think that's always been the driving power behind me wanting to do more and be better and get better. Um, and yeah, like I said, so for me, it's just, I just, just love it. Yeah, that's good. That's really, it's nice to hear. And you're talking about the, the sort of the podcast, et cetera. So what, what inspires you to be better, do better, um, and where are your greatest learnings coming from these days, do you think? 
Uh, well, I think for me, I think the, the, the greatest learnings, I think for anyone is uh, can, failure can be a great teacher, um, yeah. you know, trying things, uh, trying to be bold. And I think just for me, just really trying to um, not be closed minded to anything. I think, um, you know, a lot of agents are quite closed minded to improvement or think they're already as good as they can be, or they've been doing this job for 50 years. So why would I want, you know, why would I want to get better? But, you know, it's, for me, it's, it was, uh, you know, some of the eye-opening moments were when I first, I think, came to like the first Guild conference uh, when I joined back in 2020, literally February, 2020, just before COVID. And, yeah. um, and prior to that, I actually went to one or two uh, boot camps with John Hanford. And, you know, when I saw, you know, agents like even, you know, the likes of Sean Newman and, uh, other big final country agents all sat there writing notes listening I kind of thought well these guys you know th these guys seem to know everything already yet they're open to as well and I suppose listening to their stories and how they learn um, that kind of made me think well I'll always be open to other ideas and doing things a slightly different way and don't be afraid to try something um, you know whether that be getting in front of the camera or I don't know um, listening to a podcast or even things just trying a bit of script and dialogue just, you know, try it out on the next buyer or the seller you speak to and just see, does it work? Does it help you get the instruction and just trying things? Because I think, you know, we're all very guilty of, um, you know, wanting to be comfortable. Um, but I think, you know, we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and put ourselves in uncomfortable situations. And in doing that, that's the way we grow. Because I think if you stay doing the same thing, nothing changes. So I've always been, a, you know, I've always been kind of open-minded to, accepting change and trying it and if things work great if they don't well like I said you know further forward than you were before it's really interesting Alex you, you've brought back a memory of many years ago for me I can remember being 21 years old and being invited to Milton Keynes for Hamburg Countrywide at the time Harry Hill was the MD and they had a joint MD a chap called John John May and I was sat on the same table as John May and there were exercises management exercises and I was a branch manager at the time and in these exercises, the one thing that I took away from the day was the capacity for this man to think differently. He thought at a completely different level to me. And although he was in his 40s at the time, I was in my 20s, the takeaway, I can't remember any of the course, but it was how does he process the information to come out with a different conclusion? And that really resonated with me and still resonates with me now about thinking about the third side of the mountain. If you if you, you you know you've got a mountain to climb, there's two sides to it that people see, but there's always a third side. And is that an easier side? Is it more challenging? Has it got greater reward, et cetera, et cetera? So that was it's interesting you pick up on the point of very skilled individuals that are still there to learn. Yeah, and I think, you know, surrounding yourself with people that you want to be like. So, you know, for I was very fortunate when I came to work. I think I was quite green to a lot of stuff. It was a bit of a wake-up call. I remember the first day I was working here and, you know, I thought, my God, these guys are on it. You know, I literally I thought I've, I've really thrown myself at the deep end here compared to, again, I came from somewhere I thought, not that I knew it all, but I thought I was a really good agent. I thought it was a great value enlister, but just spending a little time, little bit of time going out and valuing with uh, Joe and speaking to other people in the office, I was like, my God, these guys really know it. So, that brought me on so much yeah. um, from a confidence point of view, but it also opened to my eyes, okay, well, maybe I, I'm not beyond learning. And I think that if there is someone in, you know, if someone's listening to this and you, there's a particular person in your organization that you aspire to be like, don't copy them word for word, but spend time with them, you know, see yeah. what they do, see how they speak to people, just listen. 
I mean, we've got a, 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 a young chap in the office called Daniel. Uh, he actually started a work experience on Saturdays uh, when he was 15. Uh, he's 17 now and he's, he, he helps out during the week. He's just literally finishing his first bout of A-levels. But he's picked up stuff like a sponge. And I think kind of that, he would just sit and listen. And I wouldn't even tell him to say things. And all of a sudden, he'd pick up a call. I could hear him on the phone saying to people, you know, look, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer. And I'd be like, well, well done, Daniel. Because he literally just think he didn't have to tell him to do it. And I think you know, his mind, he was just open to listening and absorbing everything that was going on around him. So I think being in a, uh, I suppose, a culture where you can learn from that, I think is really important. And if you are... I suppose, in an office where you don't feel like you're progressing and you're not learning for everyone, then I suppose, are you in the right place? Maybe you need to go and work for somebody else that you do want to be like. There might be another company out there that you think, do you know, those guys are, are blooming on it. You know, I yeah. love their content. I love everything they're doing. I want to work for them, you know. So I think that's that, That's a big, um, yeah, that, that helped me learn a lot. And you don't have to move because you can self-learn. So you talked mm. about this podcast that you listen to, there's um, YouTube things that you go to. So... It's yeah. very easy to actually do some self-learning as well. Oh, definitely, 100%. And that's the thing, you know, listening to podcasts, you know, as agents, I think we our second home is our car. Yeah. You know, so when when I look at, you know, when you get home at the end of the day and you see how many hours your car's been driving from a point of appointment, I think I've been in the car for five hours today. Mm. And you think, how much learning could you do in that? You know, what do you do? Do you listen to music? Are you on your phone? Obviously, there might be some business calls you've got to make in between. Um, but you could... Like I said, be listening to a podcast, and often there's times where I've listened to a podcast and I've gone into a uh, into an appraisal appointment and I've used the line that I've just heard on the podcast in the car on the way over, and it's kind of contributed towards that appointment. So I think you know it's how you use your time. We've all got the same hours in the day, and it's just kind of choosing what you do with that time and what you do with it. You could go home and watch Love Island, uh, but like at the moment, my wife started watching that. I might put my headphones in and listen to something different because like I said for me I think that's an hour I've got to myself now where I can perhaps listen to a podcast instead while she's watching Love Island so again we've all got those choices about how we how we spend our time and where we choose to learn from it's early days in Love Island not that I know but uh, it's not as good as last don't, year d- d- don't lie Ian you're there <laughs> <laughs> right so you mentioned Archer & Co um, yeah. Archer & Co won best in Wales 2022 at the Negotiator Awards which yep. so many congratulations brilliant business and 2021 how, yeah how will you keep on improving um well i think for us um obviously 2023 uh is i think probably a year of bedding down because we've we've had tremendous growth if we go back to when i joined there's six of us um yeah. and then post lockdown we since then opened another three branches um there's been some acquisitions of other agents so we've incorporated staff and teams um and uh yeah obviously we've had to expand then the teams in the offices we've got busier market shares grown and i think we've invested a lot of time in developing marketing and video that now's the time for us to kind of bed in um and i think that um you know it, it, it's kind of thinking well we've got a really good foundation and now that the market is tougher uh it's kind of like and this is when all that investment and time and effort will hopefully show through um yeah. because i do think that that's you know we've all been very grateful Obviously, agents' pipelines were swelling, and, and obviously now they've started to diminish now as time's going on, but they're not replenishing. So this is where I think everything we've done uh, in the lead-up to this change of the market was beneficial, because um, I think a lot of agents cut marketing budgets, thought, we don't need to do all this. 
We can cut everything. Houses are selling themselves in days. We don't need to do any of this. We don't need professional photography. We don't need to. And then all of a sudden now the market's changed. And they're like, oh God, you know, there's no listings coming in or we're struggling to get the decent fees because we've made cuts in other areas or we got rid of staff, whatever the reason may be. So I think now's the time for, uh, you know, for us just to really get bedded in in our kind of area and um you know we've we've pretty much grown our market share between the branches now in in Monmouthshire which is our main core area to where we're doing the highest volume of transactions I mean as a, as a company in May we agreed just over 17 million pounds worth of transactions you know wow. just between the Archer and Co branches um across our area which is phenomenal yeah uh, I mean I was saying to the guys this, this morning our meeting look, I know the market's tough but can't be that bad because people are still buying and selling homes. Mm. So, you know, so for us now, it's kind of like we've built that foundation and we've built on it. Now, I think we're just going to kind of fortify it and protect it and just, you know, do our best to make sure that we're still getting out there and winning the instructions and get, getting good fees. Fortify and protect. I like I like those two words. It, it brings me to an analogy that I drew this morning, which is a state agency in the last two years has been like having a fruit um, a fruit garden. And what did you, in the last 18 months, we had, you had the perfect environment for your fruit, fruit garden and you just went and picked the fruit off of the trees um, mm. because the conditions were right, the temperature was right, it rained every day and then the sun came out and there was a net around it stopping the birds eating the fruit. But now, of course, the conditions are not quite right. And so it is actually just thinking about what are the conditions within your business that you need to generate the leads, generate the activity, generate the revenue and the income that's going to bear fruit for you to uh, to go and eat. So an interesting one. Um, um, well, I, I, well, I've got a similar one, Ian, uh, um, which is I think that where we've had a really good market and it wasn't tough, you know, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't have to be a, a good agent. You could just, you know, houses were selling themselves. And I think there was a lot of agents out there. Uh, we were all swimming in the ocean but now the tide's gone out. Um, now we know which agents are naked, you know, haven't got their trunks on because, you know, that's the thing. We all know now there's agency that made the preparation and knew what could come, uh, but some of them unfortunately weren't. So now the tide's gone out. Like I said, now we know the naked agents and they're the ones which are, as we know, a lot of agents are closing up, selling up. Um, you know, sadly, you know, there's a lot of businesses that are having to close at the moment. So I think they're the ones that, lowered their fees and, and did all those things which at the time may have felt like a good idea but you know now that we've got into the tougher times um you know they've got they've got nothing there's nothing in the pipeline and they're just having to you know shut up shop which is which is sad but you know unfortunately it's just it's just the way of any market is it is indeed so um talk us through the welsh market how, how does it differ to the rest of the uk um i mean in terms of generally the welsh market is under the same conveyancing system as England. So the transactions, the way they're conducted is exactly the same. There's no real difference from that sort of thing. It's not like Scotland where they've got a completely different buying system. So, which has made things obviously very simple in the sense that when we've had a very busy market with a lot of people racing for space and leaving the cities and heading to Wales because of the price differences, we haven't had that to fight with. But the, the one thing that is the main difference is that we have our own version of stamp duty, uh, which is land transaction tax um which does work out kind of more expensive than england uh so we do get people often coming to buy here and they're working on their stamp duty calculators and then you know we have to ask the question when an offer has been agreed have you worked out your land transaction tax yeah yeah, yeah i've done the stamp duty calculation no have you, have you done the welsh one a lot of buyers from england don't realize and it can actually work out 
uh, a lot more expensive. Same with first-time buyers. Uh, in England, there's the exemption up to 425,000, uh, where there is no exemption in Wales. Um, and, um, you know, so it does work out more expensive for a lot of buyers over here, uh, especially, again, you get to the premium end of the market. It's even more expensive for the for the, for the the big boys, for the big houses. It can be quite eye-watering, the difference between England and Wales. Uh, but some do say you've got to pay for the privilege to live in Wales. So that's, you know, obviously that's what the tax is there for. Indeed. And, and um, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful country. And I love coming over, coming over to see you guys. Uh, is there a big difference? So when you go across the go across the water, I mean, I know it's, it's not necessarily across the water, but it is to you guys over the bridge. Yeah, uh, I think. And this is why I think still with the market the way it is. You know, interesting enough, the average price in Monmouthshire is not all that different to what it was pre-mini budget. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are other areas of the UK which have obviously seen, or other parts of Wales that have seen, that that downturn in house prices. Um, but if you look at the average price in Wales as of uh, March 2023 on the most recent land registry de uh, data, uh, it was 214,000, whereas England it's 304,000. So as a, the two countries, there's a big price difference. But... Right. You know, if, if, if we're looking at um, the difference between Chepstow over the last 12 months and Bristol, you know, the average price in Chepstow over the last 12 months has been £332,000, whereas Bristol has been £392,000. So it's about 60 grand more expensive to literally, and there's a bit of water dividing us. So yeah. we've still got that. And you can imagine the, the ones that are the most expensive are the detached homes. They're the ones that are costing the big bucks. And, you know, if you go over to parts of like um, the Cotswolds, for instance, yeah. Uh, the average detached home in the Cotswolds will cost you £783,000, whereas here in Monmouthshire, it's £523,000. So that's two hundred and sixty grand. But I could leave Chepstow here and drive to the bottom end of the Cotswolds in about 20 minutes. Really? So, wow. you know, for, so for people who have been cut, I think that's why as an area, we've seen some of the biggest price increases in the UK at one point. You know, Wales was leading the way, but Monmouthshire certainly, like I said, if you look at what our prices have done, um, you know, the average price here from from kind of post lockdown has gone from two hundred seventy one thousand to three hundred fifty eight thousand. So since since then, even as prices are today, house prices are still thirty two percent more expensive than what they were uh, just before COVID, or just no, so just as we were coming out of the initial lockdown period. Yeah. So, but for a lot of people, we still represent very good value in comparison to literally, you can see the Cotswolds from parts of Chep. So you can look across the river and you can see the, the mountains of the Cotswolds. So it's it's crazy to think, but of course, when people have been looking at those semi-rural areas that they wanted to move to, Monmouthshire and parts like the Forest of Dean that we also cover, um, and um, you know, areas like Newport, even down to Cardiff, where people look at the difference in pricing, yet they can still keep that commutability to Bristol and London. So, uh, so that, that's why even now, you know, when we get buyers saying, oh, we're going to offer you less because house prices are falling, saying, well, they might be fun, but they're not in Monmouthshire. You know, we're still an area people want to move to. Mm. So it's, um, which is why it's important that we kind of know that data. So, you know, prices very much, there is that despondency between England and Wales, but also, as you said, just just literally over the bridge. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Right, so you're, you're so keen on your stats. I've seen loads of videos where you're walking through very romantically through the woods and you've got a video videographer in front of you. And I described yeah. you once, I don't know if you remember, Alex, I said you're the Jeremy Clarkson of the property world <laughs> um, because you were going through your quarterly regional reports. So how did you get into video and what's the benefit of video for your business? Um, well, I think getting into video, I think I'd done little bits before 
um, way before the pandemic, basically when I joined Arch & Co, because video was one of the things I'd kind of suggested to my old employers and it wasn't really taken up as a thing. Same with Facebook. It wasn't really like a thing that they seemed to want to do. Um, so when I came to Arch & Co, that was something I was very keen and Joe being Joe was just like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, and I can remember the first video I did, I've still got a recording of it, was me stood in front of the Seven Bridge, um, shaky phone, wind blowing, just literally recording it, talking about what house prices have done. And unfortunately, I did the, the the typical thing that often tends to be the reason people stop doing video is I posted it. And of course, I had the, the trolls talking about how, oh, it's estate agents fault that people can't buy a house and all all, all the stuff you imagine. So I, and, but there was some really good comments in there as well. But of course, I think we're naturally drawn to the negative comments. So of course, just not my confidence. Oh, can't be bothered. And I tried little bits. I did a little kind of update on a street and a little little video here and there, but didn't really do anything beyond that. And then I suppose then along came lockdown. Um, and I suppose the first part of video was I was doing little advice videos and little update videos during lockdown. I was doing community interviews with local businesses um, on Facebook. So doing Facebook Live. So that kind of, I suppose, getting in front of the camera. Uh, and then, of course, when lockdown finished, we had to do video. There had to be something. And that very much started off um, my colleague um, filming us. I mean, actually, you know, just remind him, actually going back a step, we actually filmed our properties before lockdown. It was the week before lockdown. And we had my colleague, Abby, had only just started with us. Right. And she was supposed to be starting on administration. It was literally following me round houses with cameras. And then lockdown came. I don't even think we got round to finishing them, but we did have some videos to share with people during lockdown, which was handy. And they were like seven, eight minute long tours, but they were again a bit shaky, a bit ropey. And then we started doing those post lockdown. Uh, and they kind of evolved from there. And as we got busier, you know, Abby needed to do more administration so she couldn't come out. So I started just getting my little tripod and just filled myself, uh, filmed myself, just giving a bit of an intro. Then I'd film on the mobile phone and just edit it on my mobile phone. But then a lot of other agents started doing them. And I was like, oh, everybody else is starting to do these, these little ropey kind of functional walkthroughs. So then the opportunity came up to work with a local videographer um, and just thought, let's just give it a go. And so he said to Joe, like, I want to work with this videographer. And he said, well, look, let's just give one a go. And uh, we filmed Glim Reed was our first one near Usk. And yeah, we had all the drone and did a big production and actually really good fun doing it. Uh, it was fun filming it. And when we saw it come together, even though, I mean, I've still got the bloopers clip. I mean, I'll send it to you afterwards, Ian. I've still got the bloopers clip of where I can't get my words out. And I'm just in a situation where I can't, like, I can't figure out what to say. And I've got a script and I'm trying to remember my notes and it just everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. But then when the videographer sent through the finished product at the end of it, it was just like, wow. And the clients saw it, the clients loved it. Um, you know, that was going back about two and a, probably two, yeah, two, two and a half years ago now. So um, it's crazy to think what we've done, um, obviously, since then. And like I said, at the time, nobody was really doing anything like that around by us. Um, and I know probably now it's a lot of agents doing it over the UK. And I've got to say, uh, there's probably a lot of agents out there doing it better than us now. Um, but that's, I say, so that's something that, again, when you asked about growth, probably, yeah, that's the thing. One of the things we might look to do is up our game because some of the content, some of the agents, you know, the Guild and beyond that uh, are pushing out is phenomenal, you know, the level it's gone to now. So, but I think for the, the biggest benefit for us is it was the differential between why our fee was more yeah. and why, you know, it was such a thing that nobody else could even say they could offer. 
you know, you could you could show the client the video and say, has any other agent offered to do anything like this? And what could they say? No. So it's it's kind of yeah, and it and, and I think video, although it wasn't the intention of it, when I started doing the community interviews, when I started doing the hosted video tours, it got me noticed. And to start walking into people's homes and addresses saying, Hi, I'm Alex, and they go, Oh, we know who you are. We've seen you on Facebook and people stopping you in the street saying, I recognize you. And then, and you know, it, it's, and it's that familiarity. And I think it builds trust. Um, and it's like, you know, people, if, like I said, they, they get to know you. Um, and I think they just get to like and trust you. And I think that's so important that said, that even before you've stepped over the threshold, they already feel like you're someone they would want to work with. Uh, whereas the other agent might be turning up having never spoken to before. And it's just, it's that one thing that can, it's made such a difference. And the beauty of it is that majority of it's free. I know we pay a videographer, um, but we started then charging an upfront contribution for that video. So, so talk to me about, talk to me about your fees. You said, um, you've said two things there. That's why we charge more and upfront contribution. So without giving away any trade secrets, <laughs> what, are you, what are you getting? Well, I mean, as as a company, I mean, yeah. like we kind of strive to go out and ask for kind of one and a half percent is kind of where we're at. So we're certainly not most expensive, but we're certainly not a, a cheaper fee agent. But, um, you know, we find that that's helped us get that. I mean, I think our average so far this year is still about 1.4 percent. So it's a little bit below that. But there are agents that uh, that work within the firm that are getting two percent. You know, between one and a half and two percent um you know so people are getting those larger fees um but it's not just because of the video but it is something that that does help um obviously make that difference but as i said yeah. it's still something that most other agents aren't doing um but i think a lot around the kind of fees is that it's just that again not to be cliche about it but i think a lot of the time it's it's having the confidence to ask for it um and we've got agents that have joined us um since over the last year or two and my colleague Carrie looks after the Caldicott area from our Chepstow branch. And, you know, even she would say, oh, we're never going to get, you know, nobody's willing to pay over 1% in Caldicott. No one will pay it. You're mad. And she's consistently going out and getting one and a half percent against agents. That was one recently, I think was only charging half a percent inclusive of that, but she still got the instruction at one and a half. And I think people buy you, you know, I think as you've got to, you've got to justify it because if you're going in at what can feel like a big fee to the client, that one and a half, two percent, show them the value. Because if you're just going to go in and do what everybody else does, just wander around for half an hour, pluck some figures out of thin air and just tell them the fee, they'll just go with the other agent. You know, you've yeah. got to be able to deliver that value. And, uh, and in some cases, people don't even question it. It's just get some, they don't even like fees almost something that at the end that doesn't really get covered. They're like, yeah, let's do it. And like, Oh, we haven't even discussed fee yet. Oh, right. How much is it? And that's that's how you want to kind of go about it. You that's you know if you can deliver that value, there's no reason that someone won't pay you one and a half two. And I kick myself because I I tend to go up. You know I'm always going out one and a half. I could probably get more. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, it's a case I've got clients that you know currently myself that are paying two percent um, on some. But like I said, it's that kind of confidence that you've just got to keep asking for it and, and grow that confidence. It's a, and the the cheapest agent is the agent that gets the best price. Hundred percent. I always 100%. say that. So it's demonstrating how you get best advice, what your marketing strategy is, and a person signs up to it. Um, Holly, what, what have you heard so far? I know you've got a bad voice today, but so I'm sure you'll keep it short. Yeah, I've been trying to stay quiet in the background there and just taking in everything Alex has said. Um, I do think it's so interesting, isn't it, about the kind of the differences in local markets when you say that you can just drive 20 minutes down the road and suddenly be looking at a completely different market it is 
it's interesting. It's interesting to learn how different agents as well work in those sorts of markets as well. So it's good to learn from you and, and, and your tactics as well. well. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think this is the thing as a, as a, there's so much out there now with social media, you can very easily learn. And it's important, like you said, about knowing markets. You know, you've, you've got to know your own market for sure. I mean, if you're going out to value people's home, you don't have a clue about what price is doing in your own market, then, well, good good luck to you. But it's also good to know what markets are doing in other areas because I had a client very recently who, you know, th- she they're hoping to get a certain figure for their own property. And, you know, we discussed, well, where is she moving to? And the area she's moving to. And I said, well, what are prices doing there? And she said, well, I, I think they're, you know, at the moment, I think they're holding. We had a little look. I said, well, actually, they, they, it looks like they're perhaps even creeping up a little bit because it's quite an expensive area she's going to. And I said, well, look, for every week we're on the market at our price and not selling, where you're moving to is getting more expensive. So if in six months' time, your house that's on at 550 is worth five, the house that you could buy today over there for 700 might be worth 750. So you're worse off. So it's important you kind of know the areas and markets surrounding you, but it's always good to know what, what's happening in other parts of the country. Cause again, you can be that conveyor of information. Should it yeah. come into conversation with somebody else, you can say, Oh yeah, I know what the market's doing down in Kent. Um, it's, you know, it's good for people to know. It's good to have an idea grasp of what's happening in different regions of the UK. Definitely. I think that having that knowledge local and national is so important to make a good agent. Great. And I think that's what I want to end the podcast on. If that's okay with you, Ian. Just quick fire, Alex, maybe three skills that you think are vital to make a good agent great. I think first and foremost, I think you've got to care. Um, and that's, you know, not just caring about what your client, um, what, you know, listen to what your client actually wants. Um, you know, what do they want to get out of their move? I think too many agents focus on the deal, you know, the property, getting the listing, you know, being able to go put a figure on the board and not actually listening to what the client wants being a great negotiator and, you know, and, and a closer, I think that's so crucial to the role because it's not just, you know, when people say negotiating, they think negotiating the sale, but we're constantly negotiating as an agent from, you know, the, from when they ring up and they want an appraisal at four o'clock and you've got nothing available till three days time at two o'clock, trying to negotiate that time into the diary all the way through to, like I said, negotiating uh, the fee on the appointment, negotiating what price is going to go on the market, negotiating what times the viewings are going to happen, sales progression, all the things that come up. We're constantly having to negotiate and close and, and get that person to that. Because again, if you imagine the goals of corridor, we're constantly having to close doors as we go down that corridor and, and fight things that are kind of popping out at us. And I think, you know, if you're not willing to be, you know, a negotiator and a closer, again, you, you, you're probably in the wrong role. And, I'm, glad that uh, this, I'm glad that this is the quick fire answer. I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> okay, <laughs> last, last one. one. Last one, one word. So you've done uh, two. You've done last care, one. negotiation and? I think open to learning. And we've already discussed that. that. But I think Brilliant. be open to learning and being better. Awesome. Brilliant. Okay. Well, that was fantastic. Thank you so much, Alex, for your time today. Really yeah. enjoyed getting to know you. Well, thank you. Alex, thank you so very much. You're a brilliant agent. You work for a brilliant company. Joe Parry is a great boss and a great leader. So thanks ever so much for joining us. No, thank you, Ian. And uh, thank you, Holly.